Are you going through something difficult? Well, do you know what it says here? The Bible or a phone. This too shall pass. Do you know why you need to shower every day? Keep your house clean? Because cleanliness is next to godliness. Let me see here. Yeah, that's something, something summons 319. You know, God works in mysterious ways, but he'll never give you more than I can handle. You know, you can count on that, because that's right here somewhere in the book. It says, money is the root of all evil. Did you know that? Money is evil, right? You know, God will take care of those who can take care of themselves. That's right here. Don't believe me? Check it out for yourself. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us. We hope you enjoyed uh, the little bumper there. And uh, as many of you know, I was raised a PK, a preacher's kid. And basically, what that meant is that I went to church, and I went a lot. Like, we went Sunday morning, we went Sunday night, We went Wednesday to Bible study. We went to choir on Thursday and many other church activities we were at. And going to church so much was not necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes it got a little overwhelming. And the one thing I remember the most was Sunday school. So... Sunday school basically took place after the morning church. So church took place after we listened to my dad talk and talk and talk and talk. And then we actually had to go to school. And I often thought to myself, I've been at school all week long. Why do I have to go on Sunday? But mama said, you're going to Sunday school So we went to the Sunday school and Sunday school basically where was typically where there would be this older woman who would try to teach us different Bible stories that they thought we should understand. And so these stories would go on and on and on. But finally, I was able to learn how to read and I began to realize that some of the things that they were teaching us in Sunday school were actually not in the Bible. They were actually things that God did not say. For example, uh, what is the forbidden fruit? Well, most people would say an apple. But if you read the Genesis account... The word apple is not there at all. It just says fruit. Now, when Jesus was born, there were some wise men that came. How many wise men came? Well, they taught me in Sunday school three. But it doesn't say that there were three wise men. It just says that they brought three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So today, we're beginning a brand new series uh, entitled, uh, I Didn't Say That. And what we're going to be talking about 
over the next four weeks are some sayings, some phrases, some thoughts that are attributed to God, but actually they are not things that God has ever said and they're not in the Bible because this is the truth. Many of us create a faith based upon cultural phrases that we think are attributed to God, but the reality is they're not connected to Him whatsoever. And if we want to have a strong faith, if we want to know how to learn in such a way that we honor Christ, we need to understand what is in there and what isn't. Now, the statement that we're going to look at uh, this morning is one in which I bet almost all of you have heard uh, before. And it is probably the most flawed statement that has ever been attached to God. And this is the statement. God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. Folks, it's not in the Bible. It's nowhere to be found. And as far as we know, the God of the Bible never said those words. Do you know who said those words? A guy by the name of Esap. I think we have a picture of him. He's a good-looking guy there. Uh, he was a Greek writer and a storyteller from 600 B.C., and he was a stud. And he actually developed what was called Aesop's Fables. And this fable comes from, uh, or this phrase comes from the, this fable that we'll talk about here in a second, that God helps those who help themselves. But again, it's not mentioned in the Bible. The fable goes like this. There was a man who is taking his wagon and his wagon gets stuck in the mud. And when it gets stuck in the mud, he gets off the wagon and he lifts his hands up towards God and he begins to start praying to all of the gods for his wagon to get unstuck. And Hercules, the Greek god, comes down and he tells him to get off of his knees, quit raising his hands, and to put his shoulder to the wheel. And then Aesop says that the moral of the story is this, that the gods help those who help themselves. Again, folks, this saying is not in the Bible. It's just from the 600 B.C. from a guy named Aesop. Again, it's not in Scripture. Now, it's certainly true that God does not want us to be passive. He doesn't want us to be lazy. He doesn't want us to just sit around all day long and meditate. Mm, bah, 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 bah. Hopefully you'll come, God, today. Okay? That's not what He wants us to do. Um, he gave us a body. He gave us a mind. He gave us a will. And He actually wants us to be able to be responsible to work, and to take initiative in what we're doing. Those are all really good things that we could do. But in general, this statement is true. It's very true. That God will not do for you what He enables you to do for yourselves. God will not do for you what He enables you to do for yourselves. In other words, folks, 
God is not just going to give you a pass, a free pass, if you don't study for your test. For all of our students today, if you choose not to study the entire time, guess what? You're on your own. Or, you know, if you never exercise, you're not going to have a body that's going to be healthy. Or if you never work, don't expect income to flow. Again, God generally will not do for you what he enables you to do for yourself. But the biggest problem in life is this, that there are many areas that we cannot do for ourselves. And those are the areas that we typically do not ask for help. Most of us are very, very resistant to ever ask for help. Because when you ask for help, it offends my pride. When you ask for help, it makes me feel small. When you ask for help, it makes me feel weak. It makes me feel less than. And yet the greatest danger is if we don't get help, what happens is what often starts out as a small problem becomes this huge crisis. For example... If you go over your budget and you get a credit card and you just start swiping it all the time, pretty soon that small little problem ends up to a big crisis of falling into debt and maybe even having to file for bankruptcy. When you have patterns that are unresolved in a conflict with your spouse... Pretty soon they don't get resolved and so you start looking elsewhere and maybe it leads to an affair and maybe it leads to a divorce. What started out for some of you is maybe just a bad habit actually ends up in a full-blown addiction. And so folks, here is the truth about me, Chris Bunch. I need help. Now for some of you, you're probably thinking, we already knew that, you know? Like, uh, you didn't have to tell us that whatsoever. Um, I know you need help. But I've got a secret for all of you. And even in the balcony and on the stream. You need help. You all need help. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. And this is your first fill-in. And it's this. I need help. And you need help. And God loves to help. I need help, you need help, and God loves to help. Now the question becomes, who does God help? Well, God helps those who ask for help. That's pretty good, isn't it? God actually will help those who ask for help. God helps people who are needy. God helps people who are scared. God helps people who are weak. God helps people who are in way over their heads. God helps people who are lost. God helps people who can't help themselves. Now, just to be clear, I want you to know that God helps other people too. You see, God loves human beings so much That sometimes he shows up and he helps for no reason whatsoever except that he loves you and he wants to help you. In fact, Scripture says that the rain falls on both the just and the unjust. What does that mean? 
That means that God helps people who are really good and honor Him. And God actually helps people who are really bad and don't honor Him. And that's the problem with those of us in the church or who have a relationship with God. We get ticked off because God likes to help other people who we claim as bad folks. But what we really need to know is this. Who is the kind of person God will most likely help? Who is the kind of person that God most likely help? Like if we look at everything, who does he most likely help? A person who is willing to pray. That's the answer. The answer is a person who's willing to be devoted to prayer. You see, God helps those who pray. Because when people pray, what they're basically doing is they are asking for help. They're looking for help. They're hoping for help. They're longing for someone to come and to move within their life. Now, I don't know where you're at on this whole prayer thing. I have a feeling that some of you have been disappointed by prayer before. Um, You prayed for something, you cried out to God, and absolutely nothing helped. Nothing happened. It didn't go the way that you wanted. Maybe you're a kind of person, when it comes to prayer, you feel guilty about it. A lot of people do feel guilty about prayer. They're like, well, I wish that I just, you know, prayed more, or I don't spend enough time. I ought to pray, I should pray, I could pray, but I don't. And so I feel guilty a lot of times when it comes to prayer. Maybe some of you are kind of confused by prayer. You hear other people, and other people are like praying to God, and they talk about all of these powerful ways that God moved in their prayers, But every time you go outside and you get ready to pray, you're like, squirrel! (laughs) Or every time that you're ready to pray, you're like, grocery list. What are the things on my grocery list? Or every time that you get ready to pray, you start thinking sports scores. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that score. What was that score? What is it? And all of a sudden you try to pray, but your mind goes somewhere else. Maybe... Uh, for some of you, if you're honest, and it's a really good place, folks, in church, to be honest, maybe the idea of praying to an invisible, supernatural God, being that you can't see, really makes you wonder, is prayer worth doing it at all? And I've heard this before, and it is true. If God already knows what's going to happen tomorrow, and why should I spend my time wasted by praying? Or maybe for some of you, you like pray every single day and you see the fruits of it and you feel peace and strength and you've seen God move in some powerful ways in your life. Well, wherever you're at on this whole prayer deal, today I want us to look at a story in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, Of how God showed the power of what happens when people lift their arms up to him in prayer. Now, before we kind of jump into the story that's in the Old Testament, I want to give you a little bit of background to this story. You need to remember that God has 
taken his people, the Israelites, and he has um, taken them out of this land called Egypt. The Israelites, for a long time, were wandering people, and they finally come to Egypt. There are 70 of them, but over time, a pharaoh comes, kind of the president of Egypt, and he places all of them into slavery. But these 70 people grow more and more and more until there are finally 2 million of them. But God doesn't want them to be there. He has a promised land for them. And so he actually uh, decides that he will get them out of Egypt and take them to this promised land. And so there are these 2 million people that are leaving Egypt. They're heading to this promised land when all of a sudden they are attacked by a group of people called the Amalekites. Now, Moses, kind of the guy that God called from the very beginning to lead the people, is the one who is responsible to get the folks to the promised land. But when the Amalekites come in and they begin to start fighting with the Israelites, Moses gets concerned. And so he pulls in his kind of secondhand man, a guy by the name of Joshua, and he has this strategy session for him to create a military plan. So Joshua was like really eager. He's really excited. He's like, wow, this is going to be a big battle plan. But the scripture actually shows to us that it wasn't a very big plan at all. Instead, Moses tells Joshua these words. Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Now, we're not told what Joshua is thinking, but I'm thinking to myself that if we're getting attacked by another group of people, I would have thought that Moses would have come up with a better plan than to just say, I'm going up on a hill and I'm going to lift up a stick. I mean, to me, I think... That Moses should have had a better plan. I'm sure Joshua was expecting something a little bit more. Like at a minimum, Moses, why don't you come down from the hill and actually fight with us? Or get some weapons? Or let's come up with some kind of plan. But Moses doesn't do that. Moses' plan was simply to go up on top of a mountain And to lift a stick. Now he takes two of his closest people with him up there. His brother Aaron and his friend Hur. And they get to the top of the mountain though. And when they get to the top, Moses raises his arms up towards heaven. And it is an amazing sight that takes place. Now... Scripture doesn't tell us a single word that Moses actually prayed. But this is what we need to realize. What we pray matters less than who we pray to. What you pray actually matters less than who you pray to. Again, we're not necessarily told who it is 
or what the words are that Moses prayed. But I have a feeling that he prayed the number one prayer that every single human being has ever prayed when they're in a very difficult situation. It is a prayer that I guarantee every single person here in the auditorium has prayed before. Every person on the stream, you prayed before. It's just four letters. And do you know what the number one prayer is? Help! Help! And that's what Moses does. Moses comes up on the mountain and he's like, help! Help! And power came. Power came from God. And power came in the battle. And the men on the battlefield look up and they're so inspired that they start kicking some Amalekite butt. I mean, they start taking over. They're just wiping them out. They can't be stopped. They can't be defeated. A bunch of ex-slaves are now taking on these gigantic people called the Amalekites. And it is amazing. But I'd like you to try this today. When you go home, if you want, lift your hands up for 15 minutes. And see if you can do it. Most people can't. And Moses couldn't. And his arms start getting tired. And he starts getting worn out. And his hands start coming down. And the spirit of all the soldiers who are down fighting the battle starts to look up and they see their leader's hands go down. And all of a sudden, the tide turns and the Amalekites start beating the Israelites. And Moses looks down and all of a sudden he's like, I have to lift my hands again. And when he did, both Aaron and her help him to lift their arms up as well. And as he does it, all of a sudden the Israelites begin to win. You see, folks, sometimes... You need someone else who's going to help you to lift your arms. That's why we exist as a church. Not for us to always think we can do it on our own, but sometimes we need help from somebody else. And so he lifts his arms to heaven. You see, folks, there's a power that's going on in this story that is greater than what we see. It's another force, another kingdom at work. Here, what God has given is is just a physical picture of a war that's going on, but it's a much deeper spiritual reality for you and for me. Because the truth is, we were not made to live this life in our own power. We weren't made to live this life in our own strength. We were not meant to live that way. We were meant to actually live with dependence on God. We were made to lift our hands toward heaven and to be able to cry out, Help God! Help! I need your help in this area. I need your help in that area. I need your help. Because it's when we kind of show a sign of surrender that victory actually is very close to us. This is what I know. Every single one of you are in a battle right now. It might be a battle in your family. It might be a battle at work. 
It might be a battle with a friendship. It might be a battle in parenting. It might be a battle in your marriage. You're going through some kind of battle right now. It might be with your health. It might be with something else, but something's going on. For those of you that are students, it might be with tests that are coming up or whatever it is. Friends not feeling like you're connected with them, but there's a battle that's going on. Your battle might be with an addiction right now that you keep trying to hide. It might be with a diagnosis that you got. It may be a fear, but every single human being is going through some kind of battle. And this is what I want you to know. You were not meant, you were not created to face the battle alone. You were not created to face your battles alone. Now, I don't know about you, but often when I need help, something gets in the way. And what typically gets in my way is pride or my sense of self-sufficiency, that I can handle it on my own. I can do it for myself. My wife, uh, Jennifer, and I, when we first got married, there was one of us that was emotionally immature, There was one of us that was relationally kind of challenged. There was one of us who had some anger issues. There was one of us who was stubborn, though, and didn't think that they had any problem. And they just kind of denied this. And they were prideful and stubborn. And they didn't think they needed any help. And do you know who that person was? It was Jennifer. No, I mean... No, actually, it was me. It was me. And my, anger's, my anger at times would get so out of control that I would throw things and I would swear and I would say stuff, but I didn't think I had a problem. I figured I could handle it on my own. And then one day, Jennifer and I got in an argument. And I hit a wall with my hand right into a wall. And I thought I broke my hand. And it was after that that I realized I needed help. I needed to get things put back together in my life. I couldn't win the battle on my own. And so I went to a human counselor. And then I lifted my arms up to a divine counselor. And, and did you ever know this? That sometimes God uses human counselors in divine ways. That's what I found. Sometimes God uses human counselors in divine ways. And I learned in this process that I daily had to lift up my hands to God. And I'm still learning every day to do that now. And so I'd like to leave you today with two big truths that you need to know and to live out and to put in your head when you're going through whatever battle is that you're going through as you lift up your hands to God. The first one is this. God is able. God is able. Now, the question that many people will come, though, with that, Uh, statement is this. Well, how able is God? 
Like, how able is him? Well, how able is he? Well, Scripture basically says this, that he is exceedingly able. I mean, God spoke the universe into being. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He parted the Red Sea. He placed himself in human form by sending his one and only son, God's son, to planet Earth. And he had this remarkable birth. And then, as Jesus grew, he actually did some amazing miracles. He took five loaves of bread and two fish, and he fed over 5,000 people. He made the deaf to hear, the blind to see, the lame to walk again. He had people who were dead. They had no pulse. And he brought them back to life. And then, because of his great love for you, he said, I'm willing to go to a cross and die on it to take on all of their sins. Everything you'll do this afternoon, everything you did in your past, everything you'll do in your future, and I'll take all of the sins upon myself and I'll die. And it was a horrible day. It was a blessing. Black Friday. But three days later, he said, I'll rise again and I'll give them hope that they'll never have to be alone and they'll have a home in heaven. And then there was this guy by the name of Paul who used to persecute Christians. He actually used to watch them be killed. He was excited about it. And God came into his life and he realized that God was able. And this is what Paul said. He said these words, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And I love Paul because what Paul does is he gives one thought. And then he adds another one. He says, God is able to do what we ask. But he says, that, that's not just enough. But God is able to do all that we ask. Well, that's not it. Uh, God is able to do more than all that we ask. Well, that's not it. God is able to do more than all we could ever ask or imagine. Well, that's not it. God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. How able is God? He is very able. He is exceedingly able. He is abundantly able. And His arms never lose their strength. He is always strong for you and me. God is able, and you can take that to the bank. God is able, and you can trust in that. The second thing is not only is God able, but God is willing. God is willing. You know, God could be a very strong being. But if God doesn't have a caring heart... If he doesn't have a listening ear, then I don't know about you, but I don't want to lift my hands towards heaven if he's just able. I don't want to spend my time if he's just able. I need to know, is God willing? And he is willing. He's willing to hear. He's willing to listen. He's willing to heal. He's willing to love. He's willing to ask and How willing is God? Well, he's very willing. Look at what scripture says. It says this. God even knows how many hairs you have on your head. 
Now, for some of you, God doesn't have to count as much as for others. Let's just put it that way. But even if you don't have any, he knows like your little bitty follicles. He knows it all. God says this as well. Or scripture says this. God has stored my tears in his bottle and counted each of them. Folks, God knows you intricately. He knows when you're hurting. He knows when you're struggling. He knows when you're suffering. And He's willing to bear your hurt. He's willing to walk with you in your struggles. He is willing to take on your suffering. You see, God is like this love-sick Father who is constantly waiting at the porch for His prodigal child to come home because God is constantly pursuing you. There's not a moment That He's not pursuing you. That He's not looking to you. And folks, this is the truth about you and me and every single human being I know. When we're born, we need help. And when we die, we need help. But for some unreason that I don't understand, in between it, we're often tempted to believe We don't need help. But it takes just a little age or a health scare or a health problem or a death in the family or a blood vessel to pop or a little email from work that says you've lost your job. And pretty soon every single person raises up their hand. And what do we pray? Help! Help! Because this is the truth, folks. I need help. You need help, and God loves to help. In fact, before we close out, I would just like you to look at the person beside you and tell them right now, you need help. Go ahead. Wake up. You need help. And this is the thing about God, folks. He does not get frustrated or annoyed or irritated when we ask for help. Rather, God is willing and He's waiting to help. So, where do you go and what, where do you most need God's help? Where do you most need help from God? In your life right now, what you're going through, where do you most need help from God? I'm telling you, all you have to do is call out to Him. God, give me strength in this crisis. God, give me wisdom as I parent. God, give me peace in the midst of this storm. God, give me the ability to overcome my anger and my resentment and my bitterness. God, take away my fear. My youngest daughter, Shiloh, over this past year has battled some bullying. And a few weeks ago, she put in the prayer request, Please, God, help me not to be bullied. And when you're a pastor, sometimes you're like, Everybody else can ask for prayer requests, but I don't want you to know that my kid has some issues with a bully. And so I started feeling some self, some, uh, self-conscious. And then I was reminded... 
Just ask for help. Just ask for help. And God came through. And God moved. And God may not have changed the bully, but God changed Shiloh. And she found the help she needed. And so today, this is my challenge for each one of you. Put away your stubbornness. Put away your pride that you can do it all on your own. And lift one hand up and say, God is able. Lift the other hand up and say, God is willing. And God will meet your prayer. Because you need help. And I need help. And God loves to help. Let's pray. God, the truth is, you have never said, I will help those who help themselves. Rather, throughout Scripture, you've said time and time again, just call on me. If you just call on me, I'm here to help. Just tell me your need and I'll be there with you. Today, if you really do need God's help in some area of your life, if you need Him to move, I'm going to invite you to do kind of a a vulnerable thing. That just like Moses did, that you just raise one hand up to heaven. No one's looking. But what do you need help with? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each person with a lifted hand who is saying, God, I need help in this area of my life. Remind them that you are able, God. You are willing to meet their needs. Teach them to turn to you, to depend upon you, to trust you, to fully give their life to you. Jesus, we pray right now for miracles in this place. We pray for healing. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for reconciliation in relationships. God, we pray for jobs. We pray for financial provision. We pray for people who are on the stream right now that whatever their greatest need is, God, would they lift their hand to you and know that you are a God who longs to help. God, I pray right now that they would learn to trust and depend upon you. You can put your hands down. You know, today, some of you, maybe you've hit rock bottom. You've hit a point where you're just like, man, nothing's working the way it should be. And maybe today is your day to say, I'm going to call out to God for help. And maybe you've never done this before. Or maybe you did it one time and then you kind of walked away. But today could be the day that the helper of the universe can be there for you. So right now, if you're ready to call out to God and say, I need you in my life. I need a relationship with you. I need your grace. I need your love. I'm calling out to you for help. I want you to know that he's there. And our response is prayer. And so I'm going to invite you to say a prayer Not that you say by yourself, but that we share together in unity as a church family. And so I invite you to simply repeat after me. 
Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.